Howard Hale, and thanks for joining me for today's edition of the Horseman's Corner. On the program today, we're going to have a couple of breeders who are really interesting to talk to, and they're going to have some horses in separate sales, one at the end of August and the other the early part of September. Let's get right into today's program because these breeders are interesting. With us on the program today, Chip Merritt, Merritt Quarter Horses at Fort Collins, Colorado. Your ranch has an interesting history. Looking at your uh, website, it goes back to 1880. Uh, Gosh, you're older than I thought you were, Chip. (laughs) That's for sure. Well, Howard, I appreciate you uh, us talking about Blue Valentine and uh, our horse program, and I, I enjoyed your programs through the years, so I, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. you know, my uh, great-grandfather, Vincent Hayes, came riding into northern Wyoming in about, oh, the late 1870s or 18, early 1880s. He was uh, he's trailing, a, they, they say, a pretty good set of mares. And he decided to camp their homestead up there and and start his ranching business. And he raised two sons, uh, Buster and Lori Hayes. And Buster was my grandfather, my mother's father. And they had a big ranch, all about a thousand cow outfit, and it was a horseback place. It was rough country, a lot of gumbo mud. So if you if you needed to go to the backside to gather cattle, you rode there. And you didn't, they didn't hardly use trailers. And so Buster Hayes got to be a really great horseman. And there's lots of stories about, oh, from other people saying, man, I got to got to ride with your grandfather for a couple of days the other day. And taught me a lot. And uh, they raised a lot of good mares, and they had a lot of good horses. And so that was a, kind of the start on, my, on half of my family anyway. Okay, what about the other side? Well, the other side was was uh, King Merritt and my dad Hyde Merritt. King came to, oh, came to Wyoming. You know, the story has it he came in the, oh, like around 1910. He had the shirt on his back and a dollar in his pocket. And he got, was on a train, came up here. He'd been seeing some of the, oh, the publicity from the Cheyenne Frontier days and just wanted to be a cowboy. And uh, they say a few years before that he'd worked for maybe five years on some of the big ranches in northern Texas. and uh, But he came up here, and uh, it was in uh, March, and uh, if you've ever been in Cheyenne, Wyoming in March, it can be 70 degrees, and it can be 30 and snowing and raining. So it was a miserable day. He got up here and finally talked to somebody and figured out that the Swan land cattle needed cowboys, and so he loaded up in a wagon full of corn rode down in the corn and went out to the Swan Land cattle, and it was one of those big English ranches out out north of Cheyenne. He got his start there, and then, you know, it just went on from there, and he got to be a pretty dang good cowboy, and then he got to be a rodeo cowboy, and won quite a bit rodeoing, and and then started buying land. But King and Hyde, both, they loved to rope, but they loved to match race also. So King was always buying horses that were either full brothers, daughters, sons of some big-time running horse, especially out of Texas. And so they'd bring those horses up here and start breeding them, and that's kind of what started King Merritt's breeding program. Okay, how did the uh, uh, Blue Valentine come into the whole equation? 
Well, here's a, it's, it's interesting to me is uh, in the late 40s, early 50s, King started putting, putting on a big uh, single steer open over in, in, well, at first it was in Saratoga, Wyoming, and then it moved to Laramie. And they added a lot of money, and a lot of those southern ropers would come up and rope at that merit roping, merit steer roping. And, and one year, Everett Shaw, uh, Jim Snively, Clark McIntyre, and Schultz Webster all showed up at the roping. And they were all riding either a Sons of Joe Hancock or Sons of Rowan Hancock. And, I mean, they took all the money. And Hyde said, you know, he just, he thought, man alive, those horses are something. I mean, they were tripping 800-pound steers in those days, and these horses just would grit their teeth and, and bear down and trip those cattle. And, and Hyde says, Hyde, and by that time he was, he'd gotten acquainted, that was before he was married, he got acquainted to with Buster Hayes and Lori Hayes, and they decided, man, we've got to get a, we've got to get a Joe Hancock horse up here. About that time, my dad went to work with Chuck King, and they started a rodeo paper in Billings. And Hyde was up in Billings, and he heard about a Joe Hancock son that was in Montana, and he went to look at him. He was a Grillia Roan. His name was Texas Bluebonnet. So he got the Hayes brothers to go up there, and they end up buying that horse and taking him down and breeding him, breeding him to their mares. And, uh, and man, that, I remember, oh, I was in junior high and high school. I'd go up and spend time with my grandfather, and he'd say, hey, we're going to have a team tying in town. Take one of these horses. And I'd grab, just go out and grab a big, nice, gruya gelding and go team tie in town. And, but Hayes's, Buster and Lori each had, Oh, probably 20 head of geldings, and you could do anything on about 10 of them. And that's, they were all Texas Blue Bonnet sons. And, and so about that time, um, Hayes bought a mare called Glassy, who was by Patron, who's a horse that, that King Merritt had bought, Patron, and this Glassy mare, Hayes had bought her. They took her up there, and they bred her to Texas Blue Bonnet. And then they got a stud, his name was Plenty Coop. And he was a real pretty bright buckskin horse, a ball face. And long about that same time, Del Haverty, who was from southern Arizona, he was uh, good friends and worked for Ken Gunter, who owned Redman. And Del was maybe one of the top, if not the top, all-around hand in the early 50s. And so he's coming up in this country and rodeo, and he's riding this blue roan stud. Blue Valentine, and uh, he got acquainted with the Hazes and fell in love with my mom's sister, Connie, and he, they eventually got married, but Dell decided he was going to sell half interest in Blue Valentine to Hayes Brothers, and uh, so that partnership lasted for a couple of years, and, uh, and then something happened. Dell needed some money, and he ended up selling the other half interest to my father, Hyde, so that's the way we got a hold of Blue Valentine. So you've been going on with Blue Valentine uh, uh, bloodlines then since the 1950s. Well, yes, yes, uh-huh. and you know, and uh, the reason I kind of talk about these, the back side of all this, but my dad always felt like I mean, I grew up riding Plenty Coop sons. I mean, my dad had, would try to bring uh, Plenty Coop down to our branch and breed him to our mares, and that's the geldings that I learned to rope on, and I roped on in high school in my early, in my early 20s. And those plenty coops, man, they're athletic and 
tough and just good horses. And, and so and my dad started breeding those plant daughters to the Valentine. And that's the way we got the stud gooseberry, who, you know, in my opinion, was probably the best Blue Valentine son there was. And I know my dad, before he died, he said, man, I should have should have acquired every plenty coop daughter I could and bred every one of them to Blue Valentine. He said that was the best cross. But, you know, when Blue spent time down at our place, I mean, we kept him around. I mean, he was out in a small pasture and, you know, tried to keep him safe and everything. But I'd, I wrangled horses on him every morning. And... When the snow got too deep for four-wheel drives, I'd ride him up up through the country, up through the snow, and tie him to a sled and drag a sled out the pasture, out the pasture to feed with. And I mean, he was an amazing horse. Uh, when he was out with his mares, if we needed to get him in for whatever reason, we'd load my saddle up and the pickup and go up there and we'd catch him with a bucket of grain. I'd saddle him right there and run his mares in, and vice, you know, vice versa. We'd when you're leaving the corral, I'd take him up to the pasture with him, and then I'd just unsile him, turn him loose. And, I mean, he was an amazing horse. I remember frontier days, you know, all the cowboys would have their horses tied up. Hyde would just tie Blue Valentine right up there, right with everybody else. And he was just a perfect gentleman, just acted like another gelding. But, you know, in those days, they used their studs. You know, nobody nobody let let their studs act study, you know. You know, Del Haverty, he trained him, and he... He just made sure that horse had his manners. How big a horse was Blue Valentine? You know, Blue was not that big a horse, really. He was, oh, I'm guessing he was 15 hands and didn't quite weigh 12. Um, you know, that's one thing I'm, I, I kind of think find funny these these times. You know, these times now is, you know, guys will call me. God, I need a 16 hand horse. I said, well, what are you doing with him? Well, I got a rope stairs. I said, well, God, we're roping 500-pound stairs these days. We're not roping 800 pounds. And so they used to trip stairs, 800-pound stairs on 1,100-pound horses in the olden days. He was so tough, and he was, you know, those those Hancock horses like that, they, they just grit their teeth and, and go on and don't, you know, would not fold in the middle like some, and, you know, they... So he wasn't that big, but he had a heart. That's a nice-sized horse. That's still... Yeah. Big enough where they can be uh, plenty stout. Well, where's the breeding program gone from uh, there for you, Chip? We lost our ranches. After my dad died, we lost our ranches. And then uh, when I got this job down here, I I started trying to buy mares back that we'd sold in the past that had quite a few that were by Blue Valentine and out of some plenty coop breeding. So I just kind of started my program all over again and uh, got a few horses that Hayes had raised. And uh, so now... You know, now I'm down to about 17 mares and a couple studs, and uh, I've got two mares that are they're 50% in blood to, to blue, uh, of Blue Valentine. But it's amazing to me, you know, all the, all the Blue Valentine offspring either had to come from the Merritt Ranch or the Hayes Ranch. And so everybody's got, you know, there's lots of offspring out there. We're at a point where we have to take a break, but let's get that done, and you folks stay with us. Going to have a lot more from Chip Merritt in a moment. You're listening to the Horseman's Corner. When you go to horsemanscorner.com, you're going to find archives of previous programs, and you're also going to find some horse-related businesses. For example, horses for sale, including some outstanding horse auctions, Billings Livestock late in August, the BV and D sale September 11th. That features Blue Valentine and Driftwood breeding at its best. And if you're interested in horses, horsemanscorner.com is the place to go. 
That's horsemanscorner.com. Do what thousands of other people do. That's people that are interested in horses. And visit horsemanscorner.com. Do you need help with anything website related? Hale Multimedia has been in the business of helping others for over 20 years. Please give us a call at 940-386-1806 or ding us at 940-224-6315 or visit hailmultimedia.com. Anything website related, we're here to help you. That's hailmultimedia.com. Good to have you back here on the Horseman's Corner. I'm Howard Hale, host of the program, and let's continue our conversation with Chip Merritt. Chip, give us a history of some of the other horses that you've been involved with. You know, there was a stud called Rowdy Blue Man that we'd raised. Hayes's had raised. He was kind of a partnership between Hyde and Hayes's. And, and I I brought him down to my house. I started roping calves on him. And then my dad, you know, if somebody came along and offered some money, they he would sell them. And he ended up selling Rowdy Blue Man to a rancher in Texas. And then he, the next year, he sold him to Fred Gift. And then Fred took that, took Rowdy Blue Man and, He'd buy some Hancock mares around, and he, he bought some fillies from us, and, but he really started a big program, and I think that that's what got Blue Valentine so popular in Texas was from Fred Gist and Rowdy Blue Man. And, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. I get calls all the time. People want to know the history, and you know I'm real thankful. I, one of our partners on our horse sale, Randy Dunn, he's got a big ranch uh, west of Laramie. When we'd kind of lost our ranches, he said, "Hey, just bring your horses out to my place." I, hadn't, I don't. I've got two mares, and that's all I have. You know, and I, I, I laugh about it now. He had two mares, and then now he's got eighty head of mares, and he said, "It's all my fault <laughs> bringing those horses out to your place." Probably is your fault. He got, uh, he got to liking them too well, didn't he? Well, he did, and he, he got a hold of some of Stanley Johnson's driftwood orphan drift horses, and and started crossing those orphan drifts on on Gooseberry and Plenty Try, and. And, and that kind of started Randy's program. So it's been a great experience, and uh, it's been fun. You know, these horses I get, oh, I talked to a guy in a feedlot the other day. He said, hey, I, I had a blue valentine. It was the bronchiest sucker I ever saw. I said, well, that's, I mean, everybody's got bronchi horses. I mean, and I said, well, where was blue valentine on his papers? Oh, he wasn't on his papers. And I said, well, how many times was he in the pedigree? Oh, he's in the pedigree once, uh, you know, six generations off of this horse. And I said, how can you call that a Blue Valentine? I got to look at the papers. He had more two-eyed jack in him. He had more dock bar in him than he had Blue Valentine. But, but that's what you run into. You know, there's stories out there about there, out there how bronchy some of the Hancocks were. And you think about it, you know, back in the olden days, and when I first started breaking horses, my dad, we, we didn't start riding until they were four years old. And, and you know, they're dang stout and... and they hadn't had much handling, and, you know, they're a handful. And, and since the dang Joe Hancocks were so tough, they were a little tougher than most. And, you know, now I ride them when they're a year and a half old, and, and I have not had one buck with me for so long. It's, it's just amazing. Blue Valentine was gentle, and his offspring were gentle. And uh, I wish that, you know, back in the olden days, they would start riding them when they're twos, and like we do now, you know. It's been a different story about those Hancocks, but... But yeah, it, um, it there's been a lot of good horses through the years. Do you still do some roping? You know, I don't rope near as much as I. I had my knees replaced, and so I had to quit tripping steers. And uh, oh, I rope with my boys. They're they're just in college age now, and 
I've trained some young horses, and but I haven't competed much here lately. Talk about the sale that you guys have coming up, will you? Yes. Um, I, I, I should have brought one of my flyers in here. I think this is almost like our 24th, 25th year. We didn't have one last year because of COVID, uh, but we're going to have another one this year. It'll be in Laramie, Wyoming, August 28th. And people, oh, the catalogs, I think, are going out today. But you can find catalogs on either cometothesource.com or meritquarterhorses.com. You can download a catalog. And there'll be, uh, originally we had four partners in the sale. Um, one of them quit doing business, and so now we're, we're down to three. And there's uh, Dick Van Pelt, who lives in Arizona now, got a ranch in Nebraska, and then a bunch of his horses are kind of in a partnership deal in Oklahoma. And then Randy Dunn, who's got the ranch west of Laramie, and then and then us. We're going to have, I don't know, 55 horses or something like that in the sale this year. And, and there'll probably be between 16 and 20 riding horses in that bunch. And uh, so it ought to be, it's, it's lining up pretty good, I think. What have you got in there that uh, is riding age? You know, I don't have any riding. I'm, I'm kind of limited on my what I have around here and like anything we decide to ride we end up keeping but uh oh i've got some weanlands and a couple two-year-old fillies a young two-year-old stud and they're all you know either grillia roans or blue roans and uh no it's 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 real fun but i man by the time i get to ride them then i gotta keep them <laughs> I don't, i've got a two-year-old stud that i'm keeping that i rode last summer and man i climb we decided to go ride in the mountains and so we could see some cricks and trees and stuff. And and uh, I got on him and did like I did used to do in the olden days. I just took off in a jog, and he just took off and had his ears up looking for more country. And I I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, so those, those horses, are when, once they get that age, I can't hardly turn loose of them. What about uh, your breeding program? Where's it going from here, then? You're keeping this... This uh, young stud, what's breeding on him? Well, he's he's by, uh, I've got a son of Plenty Try. Um, there's only two, Plenty Try was a, Plenty Try was a, was a son of Gooseberry. And, and then there was, there was a good friend of my dad's uh, that used to come up and spend the summers with us. And, uh, and uh, his wife was running barrels on this kind of a brown mare. And I got to look at her pedigree, and and all four of her great her great grandfathers were all triple A. And uh, so, which when they decide to leave that fall and head back to Arizona, she says, "Chip, I'm just going to give you this mare." And I said, "Oh, don't do that." And she ended up giving me that mare. So I bred her to Gooseberry, and I got plenty try out of it. And he was a blue roan stud, so he's kind of thoroughbredy on the bottom, and then by Gooseberry on the top. And, you know, it's funny how breeding programs are. You know, I really didn't. I, he was Blue Roan, and Blue Roans were selling. So I started breeding him to our Gooseberry daughters. And at that time, we still had some Blue Valentine daughters. And, man, they were the best horses. And so, you know, looking back, it was a blessing that I got that mare. And uh, she put some fire in those horses and, uh, you know, and a, Anyway, so now I've got a I've got a son of Plenty Try, 
out of a old, you know, one of my marriage, just like the rest of them, they're all quadruple bred Blue Valentine. And uh, so that's what he's bred like. And uh, um, I've got I've got two mares that are like daughters of, of Blue Valentine and a couple more that are old, 40, about three more that are over 45%. So I'm trying to preserve that blood. And then there's, you know, Rowdy Blue Man, he was an interesting horse because he, Hazes, they did not like to go back to the well. So once they, they breed a mare to Blue Valentine, they didn't want to breed any of that offspring back to Blue again. But a couple of them slipped through the cracks. So Rowdy Blue Man was 62.5% Blue Valentine. And so Fred Gist, when he had him, he did some experimentation and on breedings, and, and he got some high percentage horses. So I, I this past year I've AI'd to a couple of 55% studs, and uh, so I'm going to have some higher percentage colts this spring, just trying to preserve that Blue Valentine blood. Well, it's kind of interesting. You've got the come to the source sale, and then there's uh, oh, uh, B, V, and D auction that's coming up early in September, where there's a lot of uh, blue valentine and driftwood. And uh, uh, gosh, it's it's interesting how popular this uh, bloodline has become, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. My uh, my future daughter-in-law, she's really we we kind of got contacted. They're wanting to put get blue valentine in the hall of, AQHA Hall of Fame. And so my daughter-in-law, she's been really doing a lot of research and stuff, and she said, you cannot believe how many breeders are out there who have Blue Valentine offspring. And there are, you know, there are, there might be 50 sales out there of, of Blue Valentine bred horses. And, yeah, it's, it, you know, he's 10 times more popular now than he was when he was alive. I think about, oh, I think about a young stud I had. I sold our sale several years ago. He went to Alabama. He, when they bought him, he was two year old. I'd he, I'd been riding him, and he was riding pretty good. And uh, they said, "We're going to take him to Alabama. I'm going to get some guys to ride him. We're going to try to get him ready for the AQHA for the World Show." So I called him back in about six months. I said, "How are things going?" He says, "Well, I guess they're going good. I I've been wanting to ride that horse on these AQHA trail rides they have up here in the Appalachian Mountains and." But the guys I have training, they want to take him to team roping. So we have to we have a fight about it every year. But that just seems like the stories I get every year. People just love their love the Blue Valentines and they love their temperament and they love just everything about them. And it's just they've become a lot more popular than they were. Every year seems like there's more and more people with five or ten mares and nobody's talking about them and. It's really fun. It's really fun. Well, give us the dates of your sale again, will you? Yes, Howard. It's uh, it's August 28th. It'll be in Laramie, Wyoming. We'll have a preview in the morning and the sale at like 1 o'clock that afternoon. And uh, there you can look at a catalog on cometothesource.com, cometothesource.com, or to meritcorderhorses.com. And there's an online catalog there, and you can bid on uh, DV auctions, which is real handy. And, um, and there'll be, I don't know, 55 horses or so in there, and quite a few riding, 20, 20 head of riding horses. And so that'll be a pretty good, pretty good representation of the horses there.
Well, Chip, thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Well, Howard, I appreciate it, too. Thank you, and uh, I really love to talk about the horses, and I thanks for the opportunity. Chip Merritt, really a lot of fun to talk to him, and you can also find that information by going to horsemanscorner.com. Thanks for joining us for the Horseman's Corner. Always great to have you along. And there's a lot more on the web by going to horsemanscorner.com. May God bless, and you come back and join us again, won't you? I'm Howard Dale.